Before we start this episode of Your Business Advantage for Life, we just want you to know that we do mention the Pi Sigma Epsilon National Convention that was scheduled to be in Norfolk, Virginia the first week of April. Unfortunately, due to the coronavirus pandemic, we had to cancel the event. While this episode refers to the event, we still wanted to share it because of all the value our guest delivers. Sigma Epsilon podcast, where we bring you a business advantage for life and the time that it takes to walk to class or drive to work. My name is Daniel Schultz, and I'm the Collegiate Vice President of Pi Sigma Epsilon and President of the Epsilon Epsilon Chapter at Ball State University. And I'm Kristen Pearson, Director of Member Services at the PSC National Headquarters. Today we have a wonderful guest who will be a convention speaker this year in 2020. His name is Jeff Gold, a gifted storyteller and a speaker, author and broadcaster, who writes and speaks with honesty, wit, and wisdom. As an experienced communicator, Jeff uses storytelling to guide and encourage people to live with meaning, balance, and purpose. How are you today, Jeff? I am excellent. Thank you for asking. And you, you're doing well? Yes, we're doing wonderful. So this is a broad introduction to your background, Jeff. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you draw your inspiration from for your content? Right, so I love learning from people. And I would say right now, the most learning I'm getting from is, uh, is the last days of their life, right? So like, I don't know how I got into this. It's kind of a long story, but I've done over 500 funerals for people as a celebrant. And what's really interesting, Daniel, is that after somebody dies, you're in a room and you hear the truth. They're not talking about the weather or the sports teams or whatever. They're talking about what happens, what was good and what was bad. And that's a great conversation. It, it, it really is a place where you can offer some healing and learn a ton of things about, wow, that, that was a smart idea. Or uh, that was not a good plan, was it? And, and they don't have to tell you one way or the other. You just learn it. And then, of course, when the funeral comes, my job is to celebrate their life and to mourn their loss and to offer some insight to people who are living their own lives. But, you know, how many people go to a funeral? Not that very many. And many of them are overwrought with the emotion. They can't really hear what you're saying. So I leave those and I, I gather stories and they really help me and help others. Can, can I give you one real quick? Absolutely. Okay, so, so this is a great story. This, this guy's about eight years old. The family is very poor and growing up, and this is about the dad, he died at the age of 74. But when the kids were young, it was always tight with money, tight with money, everything, every penny was pinched. You didn't find out till after he died, because he was kind of a crusty guy, that he gave half his money away to charity every month like clockwork. But wow. they were so poor in the house that they would get a can of pop once a year, right? So that's how, money, that's how tight money was. Well, this kid, he's about eight years old. He's walking down the street. He sees a $20 bill, and 20 bucks back then would have bought a lot. And he goes, wow. Wow. And so he goes to all the neighbors and he says, 
hey, is this yours? And none, none of the neighbors knew where the money came from. He says, great. So all day long, and I mean, he goes to a fast food restaurant. He'd never been one before. He goes to a movie. He has the greatest day of his life. <laughs> he comes in and his dad says, where you been? I, dad, I found a $20 bill and I've had a great day. And the dad said, okay, good for you. And then only later did the neighbors come up to the dad and say, hey, how'd your, how, how'd your son do with, this, with his day? And only then did the dad figure out that this eight-year-old boy asked all of the neighbors if they had lost the money. Mm -hmm. Well, the dad ran into the house and he shook out all of the coins he could find out of the ashtrays, underneath the sofa cushion, you know, <laughs> until, until he scraped together $20 and change. And then he changed that, uh, that uh, $20 into another $20 bill. And he called his son and he said, son, this $20 is for you as well. I'm so proud of you. Wow. Now, 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 as a kid, looking back, you'd say, wow, that was the greatest day of my life. But I can tell you, <laughs> as a father raising children, that was a better day for the dad. And, and, and what that tells me is that you can, and the dad was known for all of the lecturing, what you got to do and what you got to the world, but what, what he did was he showed it in his actions and that's what the kids noticed. And you know, someday when you have kids and you go on in life, you realize that their success is even more precious to you than your own success. And so that's, that's a story I'd tell, right? <laughs> so I'm very curious, um, how did you get into this industry of you know, ah. the, the funeral industry? Right. Right. So, so you start out in life and you say, what do you want to be? And you say, you know, I want to be a sales manager for a funeral home. Uh, no, that never comes up. <laughs> never comes up in conversation. I, I went to school. I graduated with a speech communications degree in the early 80s. It was a recession at that time. There was no uh, jobs available for speech communicators. Uh, so I sat on the beach for a while, then decided I would go to broadcast school where at least they could get you an, a living. And so I was in radio. Uh, radio is a fun industry, a lot, uh, just a lot of really interesting, uh, creative people and almost no money. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys there said, Jeff, would you ever consider going into sales? And the answer was no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> sales, people, sales. Oh, well, who would want to do that? Well, uh, I, I said, you know what? I'm not doing very well with my career. I'm going to say yes. So I did. And I thought, well, if I was going to go into sales, what kind of salesperson would I be? And I thought, well, my strengths were integrity. I was a good teacher and I was very creative. I wasn't super organized. Um, there are other flaws in my game, but I thought, well, those three things, maybe I could feed my family. And it turned out I could. And then what you find out in sales is that there may be limiting in other industries, but everybody's looking for a good salesperson. And the highest compliment you can get, and one of the great clues that you're knowing you're doing well in sales, is when people start trying to hire you away or offering you jobs. Now, you don't have to say yes, but you do have to say thank you. That is the highest of compliments and honors. Thank you for that. 
Well, one of my uh, clients uh, advertising was a funeral home. And he said, Jeff, would you ever consider being a sales manager uh, on pre-planned funerals at our funeral home? And the answer, of course, is no. No, I would, <laughs> have no, why would I that. do that? What a depressing <laughs> job. But I thought, I thought you know, I, I knew that I wanted to be in the service industry for a couple of reasons. I like to help people. And uh, in truth, that in this world, when we do more internet shopping and we can compare prices and prices and prices, selling commodities is a hard place to live. If you can get into a job selling a, a service, it's, it's, it's much easier. Uh, it, it's a little harder to do the sell, but if they're, if they're drawn to the service you provide. And then I thought, well, really, when you think about it, it is the highest service industry. I mean, who else can you call at two o'clock on Christmas Eve and they're gonna help you out? Is a travel agency gonna do that? Is a painter gonna do that? Is an electrician? But in funeral service, they answer the phone 24 seven and they serve you in your hardest. And I found that to be absolutely 100% what happens. The people who are in that industry are called to it. The hours are long, the pay is not that good but the chance to help people is really what drives them to that. So I thought, yeah, I, I'd try it. And then, and then when I did that, so here I am working and somebody said, hey, uh, this family, they don't have a priest or a pastor or a minister. You're a radio guy, can you do the funeral? Now, now think about this. Think about this, Kristen. I mean, uh, a radio person is in a room by themselves. They're not in front of the crowd, <laughs> right? But, but, I happen to be good at talking to groups of people. It's just something, I, a gift I have. I used to be a Sunday school teacher for 20 years. I'm a good listener and I love stories. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, I don't want to do it. It's my <laughs> honor to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you hear the difference? Yeah. And so like 500 times, I don't really want to do it, but it's my honor to do it. And I've learned, I've met some really fantastic people. I have seen horrible circumstances, you know, murders and suicides and things like that. And still to be able to go in and, ha and help them and to ha have them say to you, yeah, what you said, that was helpful for me. That, that's an honor to be included in that. That's a long answer to your question, but it, that's, <laughs> how it that's how it happens. So I've done about 500 and then I decided that I would, I decided that I'm 58 years old. I started doing the math. I started looking at all the funerals and I realized that, you know, some people don't make it to 58. And what would be the ultimate job for me? And I realized that the ultimate job for me would be to do more of that, do more, do more of helping people in the transitions of their life. Young people transitioning into the workforce, uh, young couples transitioning into marriage, uh, young couples transitioning in the family, people transitioning into retirement, and people transitioning through grief. Those are hard turns in the course. And I tell stories to help people with those transitions. And when I do it, it is the best feeling. And I know it was what I was made to do. And so I took a 95% a pay cut. And, and Kristen, Daniel, what, what do you think? 
<laughs> if you take a 95% pay cut, but you love it so much you could do it for the rest of your life, do you think it would always be a 95% pay cut? No, it, it, it's funny how the money shows up. When, yeah. when, you're, when you're excellent at it and you love to do it and it's for helping other people, the, the growth is um, spectacular to watch. Now, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't wanna be a millionaire, but I am supremely happy. So I appreciate you sharing that and sharing your story and a bit about how you got into the funeral industry and started storytelling somewhat. You've been featured many times, or not many, but multiple times as a TED Talk speaker. And yeah. with a combined over 70,000 YouTube views of your talks, going back to the beginning, how exactly did you transition that into public speaking? Was it just wanting to share those stories or was there something particular that sparked that? Well, well TED Talks are, are fascinating. They're the, the concept is that can we in 18 minutes uh, pick somebody's brain and learn a piece of wisdom? And uh, somebody asked me, Jeff, would you be interested in doing one? And I said, yes, absolutely. And then I had to figure out what exactly that would be uh, because I've learned a lot of different things. So I did speak at a college down in the southern part of our state in South Dakota. And uh, after I did that, then somebody else said, hey, what about in the Sioux Falls? And I did that. And I think one of the hard things, like I probably pick up three, two to three good stories a week. And I mean good stories that when I tell them to other people, kind of like the story I told you about the $20 bill, people go, huh, because they're not just entertaining, they, they teach you things and maybe even change a course in your own life. So kind of one of the hard things for me, I mean, in the world of sales, we know that the more niched you are, the more success you can have. Uh, and this is true in everything. And I find my struggle is that I can teach to a lot of different things and that's not an easy thing to sell because if you can do a lot of things or many things, that's not specific enough. So I narrowed it down to transitions because in essence, really that's where the learning is. What, what's gonna happen in this next stage of my life? Super excited to talk to the students uh, out in Norfolk because they are into they're about to go into the most exciting times of their life and excitement and fear feel a lot alike. And I remember those days and I did not know what I wanted to do when I graduated and I was very frustrated. I had a girl I was serious about and she was not serious about me. So she, so I, I was, in the, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just had surgery. I was at the bottom and I thought, what in the heck I was gonna, am I gonna do? And then I heard a guy speak to me when I was a young man. And his, he didn't say it was gonna be easy. In fact, he said it was gonna be hard. And that was helpful for me, right? I mean, everybody puts a good face on and the fraternity that I went into as at the time, you'd put your rejection letters up on the wall for all the jobs that you didn't get. And then eventually everybody got jobs. And I was the only guy who didn't have a job. And I want to tell people that that's okay. You'll figure it out. It's going to be hard until you figure out 
what you're going to do, where you're going to live, who you're going to spend your life with. Those are hard, hard things, but you will figure them out. And if you use that as a starting place, your life can do nothing but accelerate forward into a future that is going to be astonishingly wonderful for you. I know it's been that way for me. And I know sometimes people give up on it and settle for a life of mediocrity. And I want to get in early and tell people, do not do that. It's hard, but you can do it. And let's be honest, if it was easy, it would be boring, right? Yeah, right. When's the last time you played tic-tac-toe? Boring. It's easy. <laughs> but, but the game of life is fascinatingly complex. It's so hard. It's so intriguing. But what else would you do? It's the greatest game, the greatest game. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so excited that our students are going to be able to have this experience to hear from you. Um, you're kicking off our, you know, our national convention. And um, if anyone is interested, uh, uh, Jeff's TED Talks are called The Power of Dreams and Memories and How I Learned to Live by Officiating 500 Funerals. And um, I do have a follow-up question on one of them for the powers of in the power of dreams and memories, you talk about how important our memories are yes. and um, what are some ways we can better preserve our memories, you know, because sometimes things have happened and we forget about it, even though it was a great moment in our life, then it might come up, you know, years later and you're like, I totally forgot that that happened or I accomplished that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that is so true. And many people are poor at remembering their life. Now think about it, isn't it true? You are your memories, right? Mm -hmm. So when people say, how was your year? You, you describe your memories and that is your life. And so my, my suggestion would be, uh, Kristen, I would take a calendar and every month I would look forward to three days that you are looking forward to, something you're just looking for. So what are we in March now, right? So in April, mm -hmm. circle, I hope one of the dates is April 1st, right? Yes. <laughs> you'll circle three dates. And when you open up your calendar, you look forward into the next month and say, wow, what, what's that gonna be like? And you just try to picture some friends you'll meet or maybe you'll meet the new friend for the best time or the weather. And, and then when you anticipate that, you will find that when it, and that the clock will slow down because like Christmas and holidays, the more we're looking forward to something, the slower time goes. And that's a good thing. Right. And then when the day happens, just notice and be in that day and write down two or three things that, that you like. And then when you look back, uh, you will look back at those months and say this. So this is what's happening. So March You'll start, you, you'll look back at your January and your February three things and your March three things. You'll look forward ahead and just keep visiting that through the year. Mm -hmm. And then my suggestion is at the end of that year, take your 25 best pictures that you took that year. Because you know what it is now. We have like thousands of pictures. In the yeah. We have so many that we don't look at any of them. Right. Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to make you go through the process around Christmas time, you're gonna pick the 25 best pictures that describe that year for you. You're gonna print them out or save them someplace. I would suggest printing them out so you can see them. Put them in a folder. That folder is gonna say 2020. 
And then you're going to look back at 2020 all the years of your life. I don't, it's too hard to remember 30 days, but you can look forward to and remember three days and three events. Mm -hmm. And this is why everybody remembers Christmas or birthdays, because those are the only two days they bother anticipating, taking pictures in and remembering. And that's just wrong, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I can tell you right now, I plan on doing that. I love that idea. I, I think many people can resonate and I certainly do that. I love taking pictures. I really cherish pictures. My mother made me a photo album, but I take too many pictures now. And I think yeah. you're exactly right on that. Uh, well, put with that, I really appreciate that. You've obviously got these nuggets of wisdom and it's fun to hear that you've put some on paper uh, as an author. Could you tell us a little bit about your work in that way? So as a, as a salesperson, and I'll just talk to you in sales, you sell things. Well, if you are a speaker like I am, you are selling ideas, and those ideas are content. And people like to consume those in different ways. So you must meet all of those. And, you, and so you need a process. And a process needs some sort of discipline. As a salesperson, you know you get up in the morning, you have a blank piece of paper. Your job is to prospect. Your job is to pitch. Your job is to follow up. Those are, those are things that you get to decide for yourself. And that's why sales is such an excellent career choice because most people don't learn that, but you learn it. So uh, this is my discipline. I must record one podcast a week. I choose to record because I'm a broadcaster and I have a good, I just like to tell stories. And that's how I get my ideas down on paper. I then use a script. I save those scripts. If I do 50 podcasts in a year, that could be 50 stories. And 50 stories would be a book. I save those books and I can release those as blogs on my website or newsletters as my e-newsletter or e-books if people are interested or I can reformat them and make them into training modules for, you know, let's say I was to come up with a training module of say, you know, 12 uh, podcasts with questions that would help a kid between uh, graduation and the workforce. Like, and that would, that would be something that maybe some, somebody would be interested in. I'm graduating in April. I'm gonna go into the workforce in September. What am I gonna think about this summer? That'd be an interesting course. Well, uh, I could also format that. So what's happening is I'm curating and capturing ideas and putting them in formats that people are most likely to consume them. When I wrote my book, you know, I like that story, Insight and Inspiration from the Heartland. I didn't want people to buy it. I wanted people to read it. And I have so many books I've bought and, 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 and the number of people who've said, when I give them a book, does it have any pictures in it? And, and they're, they're joking, but they're not joking. Like Kristen, Daniel, I mean, like after school, you are tired to death of all of the uh, stuff you got to read. So I made it a combination between a picture book and a coffee table book. Each story is about three to 500 words. It's illustrated. It's kind of a, a whimsical thing. And it's just something you could just read one story at a time and the stories are deep enough that you know you could probably grind through the book in a couple of hours and be done with it but it's really designed to be picked up one story at a time 
And I wanted this particular book to be written for people in the first 25 years of their life, because as they're starting out, if they knew the stories of other people's lives and what they did in a career and what they did for health and what they did for family, what they did for friends and relationships and for money in these seven different categories in the book, those little nuggets of wisdom uh, might help them live a better life. So I put the book out. You know, I, I want to say that my library has literally thousands of books in it, which makes me sound good until I tell you they're all the same book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have them distributed in local bookstores and people can buy them on my website. And the feedback's been very good. And ultimately, from one salesperson to another, people are buying your credibility. And how do you deliver that credibility? You use measurable statistics. You know, Kristen, yes, I've done a TED Talk. That adds me a certain amount of gravitas. And, and Daniel, I've done 500 funerals. That adds me uh, some gravitas. I've been a sales manager. I was a South Dakota broadcaster of the year. These are, these are measurable matrices. And, and they don't, they're not the whole thing, but they help people start that process. And one of the things that checks the box is, have you written a book? And so I wrote, because I like to write, I'm, I'm good at writing. I wrote three crime novels just because I wanted to do it. And those are interesting to myself. But this last book is one I wanted to, to help other people. Yeah. And could you, um, I mean, you're kind of plugging it right now, but could you tell us how, where we could get this book? Because I mean, this sounds like a great gift uh, for some people that I know, um, right. you know, some of these people that we would get to work with at PSC, it just sounds like something that they need to have. Right. So where can we find you? So my website is easy to remember. It's I like that story, right? I like that story.net. If you search, I like that story, there is no, I like that story.com. So I'm just showing up as I like that story.net. If you go to that, there's a, a section where you can order the book and I'll mail it to you kind of a heavy book. I mean, I, I can't, I could maybe bring like four in my suitcase, but after that, it'd be a little bit heavy. And on that, there's also, and some people like podcasts. So whatever format you get that in, if you were to go to, um, uh, you know, Apple's or Spotify and just look up, I like that story. There's a little round icon and that's me. And that's a story once a week. And that's about five minutes in long length and, you know, people can, I think people have a lot of things to do. I wanted something short and sweet and something that would give insight and inspiration and make people feel, you know, like they can do it. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And thank you again for giving us the time to speak on this podcast today. We're looking forward to having you as a speaker at our convention this year in 2020 at Norfolk. Uh, our last question we'd like to end our podcast with goes along with what PSC's mantra and motto is, is being your business advantage for life. As you think back on your career and your life, what would you say has been your business advantage for life? A relentless curiosity. And, and in, 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 introspection, I would say those two things. Curious about the outside world, curious about what is going on inside my head. Those two things have helped me course calibrate and uh, given me a forward momentum that has been very, very helpful for me. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.